evidence and answers. Millions of people attempt to get into the United States every year, and there are millions of illegal immigrants in the country presently. What does the Bible say about immigration? Should a nation seek to have secure borders? Shouldn't we have compassion for all illegal aliens and allow them to stay in our country? Is it unloving to deny some people from entering our country? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Now let's jump right in with part two of Pat's interview with Probe Ministries President Kirby Anderson on the topic of immigration. If you go to Europe and other places, let's go to England, for example, even though still in England you have the English common law, they have allowed, at least in some of these civil courts, the use of Sharia law to deal with various kinds of things like inheritance or divorce or family issues. And so you can see that in short order, there's been a change. We'll then multiply that by two or three over the next two or three decades. And you can see the trajectory has remarkably changed the nature of those countries simply because of the issue of immigration. Yes. Now, we're seeing a lot about securing the border here in the United States, but also we're seeing it in Europe as many are fleeing from these war-torn nations there in the Middle East, you know, does it make sense to secure the border or a country to secure their border? Well, I would think so. And the analogy I use is, is that all of us that are homeowners, every once in a while we have a water leak. Well, when you have a water leak and you start mopping up the water, you go, no, you got it in the wrong order. No, you go turn the water off first, then you mop up the water. And there's a sense in which if you have a leak, in this case, you have 2 million people crossing your border, and then you want to talk about things like a path to citizenship and assimilation and naturalization processes and all the rest. I mean, the first thing is to turn off the water, and that is to put up a border. Now, I recognize that a wall sometimes is seen by individuals as an eyesore, but uh, we do know that walls work. You've been to Israel, and I have as well. And uh, have you noticed that the wall that is actually walling off part of the Palestinian territory has completely, essentially eliminated some of those bombs that used to go off in the buses and the uh, attempts to engage in suicide bombing and all the rest. And so we have seen that a wall which is used to keep people from, especially evildoers, from coming in has always been effective and has been used throughout various countries around the world. Now, there are certain places where a wall is really not necessary, and for example, Hawaii is bounded by water, so that works very well. A lot of Ireland is, and there are places that you can identify very quickly where you wouldn't necessarily need a wall, but when you have a contiguous country where people on the other side intend harm, you can see the problems that come from that as well. Now, I'm not saying that every immigrant that comes into this country intends us harm. As a matter of fact, I would have to say the overwhelming majority come here for a very good reason. They want to enjoy the American experience that we take for granted almost every day. They came here because they want to have freedom, they want to have economic opportunity and the rest. 
But let's at least remind ourselves that in addition to the people coming across the border who have maybe good reasons, there are always some individuals that come across the border for very bad reasons. And if you look at some of the backpacks that have been picked up, uh, for example, in the Del Rio region and in the Rio Grande sectors, which are two of the key ones where people are crossing, uh, they sometimes dump their backpacks and you open them up and you see there are people in those backpacks that have things with Arabic writing. They found in one case a blueprint of a nuclear facility. I guess you could assume that they wanted to work in a nuclear facility, but I think instead this was somebody that intended harm for this country. There are terrorists that have seen this as a benefit. And I think it's worth reminding ourselves that some of our immigration problem has come from people that did come here technically legally, but they overstayed their visas. And all the 9-11 hijackers were, by the way, immigrants. So I'm not saying that all immigrants are evil. I might have to say that very few of them are. But in addition to those people that are crossing, are other people crossing as well. And those that are even trying to come here for a better life usually find themselves being taken advantage of by coyotes who take them across, by sex traffickers, by drug runners and the rest. Even more recently, was it the Huffington Post estimated that maybe 80% of the women that end up on our border who have made their way through Mexico have been raped. So this is a horrific set of circumstances that we find at the border. And again, for people that don't live near the border, this might be news to them, but it's an illustration again of the very ugly underbelly of what happens sometimes when a nation does not control its border and refuses to put up a wall and secure those borders. Yes, as you mentioned here in Hawaii, we're surrounded by water, but we also need to be careful who we allow in. Unfortunately, there have been some groups coming from the Polynesian islands who are not familiar with the laws of Hawaii and and the United States and things and set up camp wherever and have killed and eaten, you know, our green turtles out here. Yes. And, and kind of things, because they're just not familiar with the law. They're just living like how they did there in the South Pacific, not realizing, you know, that's a violation of our law. And that's caused, you know, environmental issues. That causes real estate issues, all kinds of legal issues. And in schools, because they're not familiar with how our schooling system works, it causes a lot of problems in the schools. And in the hospitals as well, you know, my wife's one of those doctors and when they come in, they got no medical insurance or anything. And, you know, how do you treat them? And then how do we pay for this? Well, it goes to the taxpayers. And so you can see, you know, like you were saying, it can have a tremendous toll on a city or a state when you don't have these secure borders and you're just letting anyone in. You need to know who's coming in and you need time to assimilate them properly. Well, again, as you just pointed out, the medical issues are really significant. I have talked with doctors that have said we are seeing patients, again, primarily in the Texas border because I live in Texas, but I've heard other stories similar that we've never seen these diseases before. I mean, these are the kinds of things that my grandfather who was a doctor might have dealt with in terms of whooping cough and uh, various kinds of dysentery and all sorts of things that have never been around, uh, some with smallpox, although, again, that's easily uh, dealt with, diphtheria. I mean, we're, we're dealing with certain kinds of pneumonias and other issues that uh, just simply because they're coming from 
a third world country into this country we have to address in terms of some of the medical issues. And so that's a real concern. But the bigger concern, like you said, is just the issue of assimilation. When you have a situation where in this world that we live in today, college degree, especially in the tech sciences and the STEM areas, is going to guarantee you a job. And you have individuals that have never been to high school or maybe they've been to a year of it but never graduated from high school, certainly don't have a college degree, certainly do not know how to speak English. First of all, what happens is then they get taken advantage of uh, because they recognize that these individuals are not going to report any kind of errors or problems or dangers to OSHA because they're here illegally. You're able to pay them a lot less. The Center for Immigration Studies has estimated that this is an essentially drop the wages of all Americans Americans, because once you pay people below what would be minimum wage, it tends to drop everything. So the economic and medical issues associated with uh, uncontrolled borders are very significant. And so, like I said, if you've got a water leak, the first thing to do is turn off the water. If you've got uh, millions of people streaming across your border, the first thing to do is stem the tide and then to begin to deal internally with some of the issues that have surfaced because of that. Yes. Now, many people view the former president, he was building a massive wall there on the southern border, and many people view that as inhumane. But when I read the Old Testament, I see that the nation of Israel secured her borders. And I don't know any country in the world or in history that did not protect its borders. So building a wall to secure that southern border, was that an inhumane thing? I don't think it was. Now, there were some difficulties. I'll be the first to admit that sometimes they had to figure out where to build that because you had private property there and you didn't want to cut families off with their farms and all that. So, But again, we don't want a wall over the entire Rio Grande River. As a matter of fact, you don't need one because there's a lot of places that are impassable and there are ways to deal with that in terms of drone surveillance and the rest. But Pat, one of the things that's intriguing to me is when uh, President Joe Biden came into office, he wanted to get Get rid of everything that Donald Trump did. And already we're now starting to see his Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mujeres, as saying, you know, we may just go back to this idea of the first uh, country, first safe country. Now, when you, and to explain that, let me go back, because what you have are individuals that oftentimes will show up at a station and say, I want to be granted asylum. Well, as soon as they ask for asylum, then you have to say, okay, we're going to set a court date, and then we release them. And I've oftentimes jokingly say catch and release works well for fly fishing, but catch and release does not work well for immigration. So these people (laughs) claim asylum, they go into the United States, and they never show up for a court date, or if they do, it's two years from now. And so the argument that was made under the Trump administration was that we will use the policy of first safe country. So, okay, let's say that you are coming from Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and you are coming to the United States because you are seeking asylum. When you come into Mexico, that's a safe country. There's no longer an authoritarian regime trying to kill you. So that's where you will stay to actually then ask for a granting of asylum. Now, that's something that was implemented by the Trump administration. And interestingly enough, now we're having the Biden administration saying, you know, maybe we're going to come back to this. And I predict that before it's all through, maybe quietly, uh, President Joe Biden might want to start uh, rebuilding a wall here or there, because 
And Guillen, if you are concerned about the kind of devastation that is happening, that uh, especially happens to our so-called border states, you've got to address that issue. And even if the president does not address that, right now you have the governor of the state of Texas actually saying that they want to raise money and have raised money to put up the uh, the wall themselves. And so you and of course that's going to be interesting enough to see how it's challenged in court but i think we recognize that walls and borders and various kinds of border security however it's brought about are certainly important you don't have to have a wall all the way across the southern border of the united states but in certain high traffic areas and i'm thinking about San Diego, I'm thinking about Laredo, I'm thinking about El Paso. Those are some places where those walls already exist and have been extremely effective. And so there is no reason that a country shouldn't enforce its borders because, as I've said before, a country that does not enforce its borders is never really a country. And one other aspect of that is why are individuals coming? Well, again, because of all the benefits. Milton Friedman one time said you can either have a a generous welfare system or you can have open borders, but you can't have both. And right now we sort of have both. And matter of fact, so does Germany. That's one of the reasons why a lot of these Syrians uh, didn't stop in Hungary or Austria. They kept going to Germany because, after all, if you have relatively open borders and you have a very generous welfare system, then individuals who maybe don't have very good marketing skills can still come into that country and benefit from the largesse of the welfare system. So, again, one other issue to consider, and one of the reasons why even people like to come to Hawaii. It's got a good climate. It's got a very generous welfare system. And you can, uh, even if you're homeless, uh, do a pretty good uh, job of uh, surviving pretty well right there in Hawaii. Yeah, let's talk some more about asylum. I mean, What about people who want asylum? How should we treat them? Or should we just have a blanket compassion on everyone who's seeking asylum? Well, again, this is one of those places where it is difficult to necessarily come up with perfect biblical principles or even moral principles. But we have recognized that individuals right now coming from countries where there is intense persecution, and uh, we know what those countries are because every year our friends at Open Doors give us a list of the places where Christians are most persecuted. Number one on the list, no surprise, North Korea. And then you work your way down. Most of the other countries in that list are Muslim countries, although interesting what has made itself on the top 10 now. Number 10 is India. It isn't so much that India is anti-Christian as it is pro-Hindu, but that's been an interesting thing. So you, first of all, if you talk about just religious persecution, you recognize that there were individuals that were in Iraq, for example, that when ISIS came in, they were moved to refugee camps. Now, the goal for a lot of them was to go back to Iraq once again after ISIS was removed, but some have also decided they wanted to come to this country. No doubt you probably met individuals that uh, left Iran because they were maybe persecuted under the Shah of Iran, but probably more likely persecuted under the Ayatollah Khomeini. And so you have that. So some of this is religious persecution. But there's also just a lot of incredible civil unrest that takes place in some of these Latin American countries. 
And so you can understand that some would want to leave because they have been targeted by drug cartels or targeted by an authoritarian regime. And so it's sort of difficult to sort all of that out. I won't say that this is a perfect black and white. Sometimes there's shades of gray as to which individual seeking asylum should be allowed to come into the country. But we have been a nation that has allowed more immigrants into this country than any other country. And you might say, well, yeah, well, we are a large country. Well, not just by numbers, but even sometimes by percentage. Right now, you go to Japan occasionally, go, go try to be an immigrant into Japan right now and uh, see the difficulties that you would run into there. Oh, try yeah. to be an immigrant into maybe Singapore or some place like that. I mean, there are some very significant barriers for immigrants into those countries. For that matter, just even try to be an immigrant into Mexico. The number of requirements for you to become a citizen in Mexico are pretty steep. And as a result, it's just a reminder about how generous and gracious the United States States has been in terms of welcoming immigrants from around the world. Yeah, and it's not that America or a compassionate nation doesn't want immigrants. We can name a lot of great, incredible contributions made by immigrants and their descendants that we want a secure process where we get the right kind of immigrants and we protect ourselves from those that would do harm to that nation or society. And again, I think the illustration I sometimes like to use is, you know, if you had a rental house, I don't know how many of our listeners do, but say you had a house that was a rental house, and all of a sudden somebody showed up and was living in the house and said, wait a minute, I was going to rent that out to someone else. And then maybe you say, well, they seem like a nice couple, and as long as you're, well, I wasn't going to rent it to you, but as long as you pay the rent, that's fine. But then they say, well, no, I, I think I have a right to be here, and I'm not going to pay rent. Well, pretty quickly, you're going to go and find somebody in law enforcement to say, no, <laughs> you just broke a couple of laws here, not the least of which you were squatters. But second of all, then you didn't even pay your rent, so I'm going to do what I can to get you out. Or I say you have a renter there and the renter just after a while decides to stop paying the rent. You know, of course, we've had a, a moratorium on some of that over the pandemic. And you say again, well, you know, yes, you came in here legally, but now you've overstayed your welcome. And the illustration I make is, is the people coming here illegally are like those who decide to come and stay in your house and expect you to then provide benefits to them. And you're saying, well, no, wait a minute. I might be concerned for some of the circumstances you've been through, but that doesn't mean I have to open my house to you. Or in some cases, we about 40% of all the uh, issues with illegal immigration are people that actually came here legally, but then they just overstayed their welcome. They overstayed their visa. And of course, we have oh, about a quarter of a million people coming in already under H-1B visas. We have about a million people coming in every year through green cards. So, like I said, you can't find another country that's more open in terms of bringing in visitors, immigrants of any kind, migrants, and all sorts of things. But the bottom line is if you don't enforce the laws and don't have an orderly process, and we certainly don't have an orderly process right now, it is broken as it's ever been just because it's simply overwhelmed ice and border security. You don't have a country and the future of this country is in large part going to be determined on whether or not we get serious about dealing with the issue of immigration. Well, Kirby, I guess one final question, it comes down more to an individual level. You know, what advice could you give to churches or maybe families who are approached and saying, hey, we have some illegal immigrants here and they have nowhere to go? But we know that the church or you're Christians and uh, you're open to helping all people. So can you provide them shelter? 
or something to that nature. What would you advise for churches or families who are approached and find themselves in that kind of situation? And again, this is not theoretical to me because one of the churches that supports me and one that I've been to has an outreach in what's called the Bonton Regent. And I would have to say that if you walk through that community center there, I've been there before where you hear just seems like almost every language in the world. It's like the United Nations. Most of those people, though, came there trying to come there legally. Some did not. And so the our realization is, is we have to do something to help them. Whether they end up being deported or not is a point that will have to be addressed later by the government. But that doesn't mean we can't at least begin to minister to them. So our church, for example, has put together, I just alluded to this, a community center, found a facility where you can begin to do things like teaching English, teaching job skills, giving them computer skills, giving them a chance so that they can be a productive member of society. So then if there is a pathway to citizenship, they will be able to be productive members of our society. And that's one of the things that I think churches can do, because we recognize that there are individuals that come here and work very hard. And we know those individuals, because in many cases, they are willing to take some jobs that some of us soft Americans don't. Believe me, I've put roofs on houses here in Texas. I've been a janitor. I've worked in a machine shop and a number of others, and I know how hard of work some of that is. I've mowed lawns and everything else. And when I see those individuals working, I think that they are going to be productive members in society. However, we do have some people here that are just looking for the gravy train, and that brings us back to, I don't know, maybe Second Thessalonians chapter 3, for those who will not work, they will not eat. Maybe there's a place there for the uh, church and Christian organizations to admonish them in their idleness or their laziness or their um, maybe the addictive personalities. So I think the church can actually show love, but it's also an opportunity for the church to show tough love because the church might be face-to-face with individuals and be able to determine motives and ideas and maybe give some encouragement, some accountability that would be very helpful. Uh, The government, by its definition, can't do that. It's not a counseling ministry. It just can throw money at a problem. And so in some respects, the churches may be the ultimate solution to dealing with some of these issues of immigration. Wow. And, you know, Kirby, our time's come to an end. I feel like we just scratched the surface here on what the Bible has to say about immigration. So if people want to get more information on what you talked about, as well as a host of a number of topics you talk about, I mean, Kirby talks about economics, government, whole host of issues. Kirby, where can they get more information? Well, first of all, I have a little booklet called A Biblical View on Immigration, but you can also find uh, that some of the same material. I think uh, one of the articles on immigration written by Steve Cable goes into the different views uh, there from everything looking at the idea of rule of law into compassion. So go to probe.org. But if you want to get any of those booklets, you could just leave an email, and that would be the case because we write on all sorts of different topics. And a lot of these booklets are fairly short, so that, again, if you say, look, I only got 10 minutes, but I'll read on what you've written on, on everything from immigration to God and science to money or the critical race theory or whatever the topic might be, we have those materials as well. So it's all available at probe.org. And uh, as always, Pat, great to be with you. So you've been listening to our interview with Kirby Anderson, president of Probe Ministries. 
and also the host of a nationally syndicated talk show. I think one of the best ones out there speaking on politics, but a whole host of current issues, point of view, point of view. You'll want to check him out. So Kirby's a favorite here in the islands when we bring him to town, but also as one of our guests here on Evidence and Answers. So Kirby, thanks for being with us and talking about this very important topic. Very good. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you would like Pat to speak at your church, your Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, once again, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharan. <laughs>